This is actually the first apartment I've lived in in my 20s where I've actually had, like, actual wine glasses. I usually drink out of mugs. Oh. I was dating, I was on the Tinder date with this guy once, and he came over, and I, I poured him a wine in a mug, which, again, was, like, a super normal thing for me. And he was like, wow, this is so hipster. And I was like... So rustic. What? I was like, I just genuinely just don't have wine glasses. Yeah. I usually use, um, like, bowls. Bowls! <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, uh, hello. <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome to 2020, the podcast. Two roommates living in New York. Um, I'm Matt. I'm Katie. And how old are you? I'm 23. You need to think about that for a second. I was gonna say something smart assy, but I decided oh. not to. I'm 24. And we met. We were we went to school together in Philadelphia, and we did this like summer study away program in LA. And three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. Almost. And then Matt moved to New York, and then he had an extra room in his apartment, and then I moved to New York, and now we're roommates! Yay! Yay. And we, um, I don't know, I, we've, like, been talking for a while about doing something fun together. Yeah, so basically this podcast is going to be us telling stories about inspirational people when they were in their 20s, because we're in our 20s right now, and we're always very inspired about learning about what other people were doing when they didn't necessarily know exactly what they were doing. Yes. Uh, like, I think we've all seen that meme on Facebook or whatever, that post that's like, when Tina Fey was 23, she was a receptionist at YMCA, and Walt Disney declared bankruptcy. Yeah. And that, at least personally, always makes me feel better about myself. Completely. Yeah, and I think that also, though, that, like, that story gets a little overplayed and it's not really investigated. Like, it's not, I mean, it's not investigated. I don't know. It's not told in a way that's really more than just, like, a nugget, you know? Yeah, well, we just want to, like, take those nuggets and then find out exactly what else Turn is going on. chicken tenders. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, you know, you could have a five-piece or you could have a ten-piece. Yeah. And we're giving you a ten-piece. Yes, we've got ten pieces of delicious <laughs> chicken that and we're And you can have serve. barbecue sauce, you can have honey mustard. Polynesian if you're at Chick-fil-A and you like Ooh. a little sweet and spicy. Are we, are we like, not boycotting Chick-fil-A anymore? Is I, I don't know. I Like, it's fucking chicken. At this point, ugh, come on. Well, I saw a Facebook post that was like, leave fried chicken out of this. <laughs> like, we yeah. need to have some things that are not controversial. But they I suck. Will, they I will suck. Say, they do suck. People. They do suck. But I will say that my gay friends are the ones who, like, want to go to Chick-fil-A the most often. I, it's, like, ironic. Yeah. You know? Like. Well, when they go low, we go high to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> we go to the second story, the two-story Chick-fil-A. We get high and go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, Katie, what do you think of New York so far? Okay, so far, so good. Um, I've been here for three months. For three days. I've been <laughs> here for months. three days. No, three <laughs> months. Uh, okay, so a little bit about me. I'm an actor. Uh, I studied it in school. I was a musical theater major. And, uh, yeah, right after graduating, Matt and I did this, like, L.A. study away program. And it was great, but then I got a job back in Philly, so I went back to Philly. Oh. And I was working there pretty consistently for, like, two years. And then I was finally ready to move to New York. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, Matt had Make an extra plunge. room, opened it up in the apartment, and I moved in. And it's been really fun so far. 
Um, I have a muggle job at a restaurant. That's what I call my survival gig. <laughs> um, and a little preview for what this episode will be about. And um, I'm auditioning a lot and taking classes, but I don't really have anything lined up in terms of like shows. So this is a time when I am very much looking to the Tina Fey was a receptionist at the right. YMCA. <laughs> Right. Stories. Her muggle job. For a little job. inspiration. Yeah. Everybody has muggle jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, just you do what you got to do. And uh, there's always something to be gained from said muggle jobs. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So figuring it out, getting used to living here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing things like this, like this podcast, like trying to create my own work and our own projects. Yeah. I'm that's the about. thing is like, I think... That's so fun about this is, like, we've been saying for the longest time, you've been saying to me, because I'm kind of, like, more of the, I don't know. I'm I'm a crazy, obnoxious, like, extroverted person, but I get very shy when it comes to, like, doing things, which is what I appreciate about, like, musical theater people and, like, the people that go out there and, like, are very confident. You've always said, like, we should write together. We should do stuff. And that's been so encouraging, and it's, like, this is so exciting. Um, like, just to talk about... Me. Enough yeah. about enough about you. Let's talk yeah. about me. Yeah, tell us about you, Enough about Maddie. me. What do you think about me? <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, was, yeah, so I went to L.A. Uh, I was studying advertising. I went to L.A. because I love film. I love TV. I love watching TV. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to um, learn more about entertainment and the industry. And so I did that. And then I didn't do anything with it. And, well, I mean, I... Not to be too hard on myself, but um, I was studying advertising, and then I got a job in New York. You know, like, when you're a senior in high school, you, or college, you just need to get a job. That's kind of like, you're like, I need to subsist on something. Um, and I got a job in New York. Uh, right, well, like, an opportunity presents itself, and you take it. And you take it. Yeah. Exactly. That's, and well, you that's just kind of put the horse before the car. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I got a job in New York, and I took it, and uh, it was just, like, a, at a recruitment firm. I was helping find jobs for people. You know, not quite like a social worker. <laughs> um, and then I uh, got another job at an advertising agency, which was like startup world, very cool. Um, well, tell it was very glamorous. So. Very glamorous, very much like uh, ping pong table in the middle of the office, free kind bars, like that kind of thing. And it just wasn't my thing. And I just realized like there are so many things that make me very happy. Um, Started taking classes at UCB. Mm-hmm. Love the, the we both take classes there. We, I just love performing and um, and was thinking maybe I'll you know be a PA on a movie like I did that. Run the Tide. Katie and I are both in it. Comes oh, out. Oh yeah. So wait, I, this is funny. So three years ago, we were in LA for the summer. We all had to do like an internship. And Matt was an intern for this movie, Run the Tide. Starring Taylor Lautner of yes, Twilight. Of Twilight. And and then one night he they needed like background extras. So I was a background extra in this movie. Again, this Katie's is like in the trailer. Yeah, so the trailer just came You're out. New. Okay. No, I'm three years later. And <laughs> I made it into the trailer. Yeah, they finally got distribution for the movie. Yeah. And it comes out today. Yeah! December 2nd. December 2nd. Um, so anyway, that's our big... Th- and and you're also an extra in it. I am. I'm a boy seated at diner. Yeah. I'm girl seated round bonfire. So we just... We really sit. That's the best thing we can do. 
Um, <laughs> so for us to say that we haven't done anything yet would be a lie. <laughs> I know. Like, that's the thing is, like, I always am so hard on it. I'm like, oh, I haven't done anything. But then I look at, like, I mean, we do stuff. No, we we do stuff. We do stuff. Um, we got a bagel this morning. Yeah, we got bagels this morning. It was great. Really good New York bagels. Best bagels on 35th and 7th. Yeah. Hit it. That's like the name of the store. They're, they are. They may be the best bagels, but they, it's also the name of the store. I saw Adrian Grenier in there last year, aka Vinny Chase from Entourage, <laughs> aka Anne Hathaway's boyfriend in Double Wears Prada. Yeah, and I was like taken, um, mm. like Liam Neeson. <laughs> Someone took me <laughs> to a whole other mm, level. That didn't happen. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't know. Love podcasts. Been listening to podcasts for like six years every day. Like not exaggerating and we were just talking about what we'd want to make a podcast about and i think this is such a good topic just who are the people that you want to look up to and why are they cool well it's just like cool to see what people were doing when they were your age or even if you're not our age now and you're listening to this just to see what people were doing before they had their big break or you know just the formative years breakup the big breakup, Brangelina. That. that too. I'm still recovering. Still recovering. <sighs> Did you see George Clooney talk about that when they interviewed him and he didn't know oh. yet? And he was at the UN. <gasps> they were at the fucking UN. And someone's and like, what do you think of Brangelina? Brangelina? God damn and it. And he's like, no wonder Trump oh, is I didn't know that. Uh, well, it's the story of a family. It's a family. It's sad. It's a, it is. It's really sad. And they have so many uh, kids. George uh. Clooney. I'm so sorry we brought this up. That was up. so mean. Ugh. I don't know why journalists suck so much. No, they're great. Journalists do hard sorry, things. Sorry, we don't. I'm no, sorry. No, we didn't mean that. Um, yeah. But anyway. Kind of just the format of this whole thing is uh, each one of us every week is going to pick someone we think is fucking cool. And we're going to kind of profile them, tell each other about them. Yeah. You pick someone, I pick someone. Yeah. And then we, yeah, we talk about them. What they were doing when they were... In their 20s. And if my mom is listening, I'm sorry that I keep saying the F word, mom. I'm not. Mom, you can handle it. Deal with it. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, so every week we're going to pick new people. If you have any ideas and or corrections for us, you know, we're not at all pretending to be experts on the subject. If we get anything wrong, please write to us and let us know. Uh, we have our email address, 2020podcast at gmail.com. That's spelled out, 2020? Yeah. And we'll have a website soon. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, without any further ado... Let's get this little girl going. Let's get started. Let's get it going. Uh. Uh. What's your person, Katie? Who are we talking about So, today? this week, I'm going to be talking about <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Ooh. Cue the Harry Potter music. I already know it was Jacob. <laughs> Alright, so Matt's not surprised. No, I'm not surprised. I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she's awesome. We all know the basics, like, okay, she was on a train and started writing about Harry Potter. Well, I've seen the Oprah. That's what I... She talks about it when she's on Oprah. Yeah. So, I guess, basically, most of the people we talk about, everybody's probably heard, like, little snippets of their story, but I guess we're just kind of... Diving into it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little more. deep dive. Yeah. A DD. A DD. Diggledy day, So, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so JK Rowling. Uh, so, I know we're going to focus on her 20s, but uh, just a little bit of her like childhood backstory. Um, 
So she was born Joanne Rowling in Chepstow, Gwent, England. Oh. I probably am not pronouncing that right. But um, what I thought was pretty cool is that her parents actually met while they were traveling from King's Cross Station. Uh, so that's why it becomes such a prominent theme in Harry Potter. Because Ooh, as we all know, I did not know that. Yeah, well, you know, because the whole thing is like she was traveling on a train between Manchester and King's Cross Station. And that was when it was oh delayed. God. That's when she started, like, got the idea. So that's, oh, King's Cross so is like a, it's just like a thing for her. I'm going to cry. Why are you, I literally haven't even said anything. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. I'm going to cry. Um, oh, trains. Trains. <laughs> love them. So romantic. So cute. Uh, it is, it's much cuter in the UK because the train rides are much more scenic. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> so her parents, they were met, they were only 18, um, her dad had recently joined the Navy, and her mom was a wren, W-R-E-N. Like a bird? <laughs> her mom was a bird. Thing. I should have looked that up. I think it's like some kind of war nurse. Oh God, please, no. again, feel free to it's correct like, us. Call the midwife. Yeah, you can look it up. Basically. Let's see, what's a wren? But like all caps. I just looked at them. It's a small bird. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. Keep going. Keep anyway. Going. Oh, Women's Royal Naval Service. Oh, she was like yeah. a badass military lady. Oh, fierce. Cool. Okay, sorry. Yeah, guys. Oh, God. We're already, we're already screwing up. Anyway. Um, so they got married a year later. Um, she was the firstborn, Joan. She had a sister. Uh, but she always wanted to be a writer. She started writing. She wrote her first book when she was six. And she called it Rabbit, and it was about a rabbit. Oh, God. Um, you know, classic little kid creativity. I personally had a stuffed animal monkey. Mm-hmm. Guess what his name was? Rabbit. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it was monkey. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, fun, fun stuff. Oh, her nickname in school was Rolling Pin. <laughs> what? Why? Because her last name's Rolling. Oh. It's not, like, the most creative. Oh, I thought, because she looked rolling. like a rolling <laughs> That'd yeah. be like a compliment, I guess. Yeah, rolling Consistent pin. body shape. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that the new beauty standard? I don't know. <laughs> Thick uh, as hell. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, but, yeah. So, her teenage years, they weren't the best. Um, their family moved to a kind of more rural area. Um, and then her mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, so this kind of started this strange oh, wow. relationship in her family. Yeah, mm. it was really bad. Um, so this kind of began this strange relationship with her dad. And then it's, like, actually pretty fucked up. They, like, stop talking to each other pretty much. They don't talk at all anymore. Oh, my God. Um, he did come to her wedding to Neil Murray in 2001, but they stopped speaking, like, two years after that. And... This Neil is, Murray? Yeah. Oh, I think it's Bill Murray. No, oh, yeah. Oh, you guys didn't know that? <laughs> Jay Rowling, Bill Murray. Yeah. Cutest couple. They keep it really private. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, she's like, basically, like, a little bit after they had stopped talking completely. This is so fucked up. I just read this. Her dad offered his Harry Potter first editions for sale because... Because he I, hates her? I, I don't... I mean, I don't know, but, like, that's... She gave him, like, obviously her dad gets these, like, oh first God. edition copies of Harry Potter, and he sold them. And, yeah, one of them, the 
a copy of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. She gave it to him on Father's Day. Oh my god. And it was signed, Lots of Love from Your Firstborn, and it had a drawing of a hand reaching for a running gnome. And he sold it for $48,000. Okay, why can't she just, like, give him money so he's not a dick and sells her magnum opus? I don't know. That is so, like, sad. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just screwed up. And that's, like, not even... $48,000, I don't think that that's, like, that much now, considering how much people auction for, like, Harry Potter shit. I don't know. It's just screwed up. So, anyway, I just found out about that, and I was like, that's... Really awful. So, anyway, her teenage years is when this kind of strain started. Yeah. But she was always really close with her mom. Daddy issues. Yeah, daddy issues. (laughs) It's, like, a simple way of putting it. Love them. So, anyway, so the school she went to, you know, she was, a she was like, a good student, um, but, you know, it wasn't the best school. Like, she was one of the few kids to end up going to college. Um, she applied to go to Oxford, but she didn't get in, so she um, ended up going to the University of Exeter, mm. um, and she describes this in a really funny way. She was, like, it had a reputation for being frantically posh. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So it was like she went from being in this, like, kind of, like, you know, lower class, really casual school to being in this, like, really fancy, privately educated girls school. Have you been to England? Mm-hmm. You've been to England? Is it, like, I, when I think of, like, England, I have friends from London, but, like, I, all I think about is, like, London. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What like I've seen like movies and I just imagine like Welsh miners when I think of like rural England. Yeah, it's probably just really pretty and everybody kind of drinks tea, right? Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely like poverty right. in any country. Poverty. Poverty. <laughs> Tazo. <laughs> new line by Tazo. Oh God. No, I'm sorry. We're not making fun I'm sorry. of poverty. I'm sorry. Um, God. but if, if, if there is a brand called Poverty and they want to sponsor us, um, just let us know. Yeah. Great. So. Sorry, no, I'm just trying to think about, like, what it was like, where she came yeah. from. It was, like, podunk, and then she goes to this fancy school. Right, so she's kind of, like, out of her element. Um, she says, um, paraphrasing Fitzgerald, she reacted to this change, not with the rage of the revolutionary, but the smoldering hatred of the peasant. Oh. So, basically, Bitter. I wonder where she got the idea for Slytherin House. Oh, my God. Right? She was just, like, around all these posh girls who think they're better than everybody else. Oh, my gosh. Right? <gasps> That's we, such a, dr- like, theater person rage. Yeah. So, she just kind of, like, yeah, she kind of held it in. You know, she was... Like insecure. Some of her... Pre- yeah, I mean, her professors who were interviewed, like, they were like, yeah, I mean, she was, like, a decent student. Like, she wasn't a bad student, but she was like, oh, my God, I never went to class, like, I was always in coffee shops reading and writing, so. Fun. Yeah. So talk to the people in coffee shops. <laughs> yeah, could be J.K. Rowling. Uh, but yeah, so she wanted to be an English lit major, but her parents, you know, because they mm. were po- always poor, they themselves never went to college, they really wanted her to have a quote-unquote useful major. Practical. Yeah. Mm. So they kind God, of compromised, familiar. right? Yeah, I think we've all... Wait, can we talk about that really quickly? Yeah. Because, like, I think that that's a thing that so many people our age are dealing with. I mean, I was always so impressed with friends in college who were, like, studying, like, fucking specific, awesome, cool things. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, for musical theater people, like, there's always, like, that sense for me that it was, like, 
geez, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have the guts to do it myself. So maybe I had a little bit of a Slytherin complex, like <laughs> Joe. But I like I don't know. I was just like I feel like Slytherin is more like <laughs> no 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 I no yeah I just made musical theater people into Slytherins no. I don't know. No, like, that practical thing, like, you need a job. Especially now with, like, the recession, oh, yeah. right when we were all, like, applying for high school. Right. Or, like, applying for college. Like, I know so many people that wanted to study, mm-hmm. like, English, and, like, their parents made them study engineering. Right, and they had to change their mind. Yeah, because it was 2008 that it happened, and I was going to college in 2010. Yeah. I was really lucky. My parents have always been, like, insanely supportive of me. I'm also really stubborn, so I think they kind of knew that it wouldn't yeah. matter, even if they tried yeah. to convince me into doing something else. But, yeah. yeah. No, I'm really lucky. And I'm aware that, like, for most people, it's not like that. Yeah, I mean, um, advertising's not, like, done deal anyway. Right. But, yeah, so... Oh, yeah, so basically she really wanted to study English Lit. Her parents were like, do something useful so that you don't end up poor. And they kind of compromised on the modern languages um Mm -hmm. which she basically said was like uh ended up being a compromise that nobody benefited from um yeah but uh so she yeah she goes to school she like pretty much immediately drops german and just focuses on french and then also uh picks up the classics um yeah i knew that yeah she'd always been really interested in it she had an aunt who taught the classics so she kind of had, was introduced. So classics words. is like Canterbury Tales, Beowulf, Shakespeare, yeah. like that kind of stuff? Yeah, like mythology and yeah, more like... Oh, mythology, yeah. Yeah, a lot of that. So that's why you'll see so many references uh, to mythology in the Harry Potter books. Yeah. It was like she had this really big background and interest in that. Yeah, the um, centaurs and stuff. Yeah. So anyway... So she she graduated with a BA in French and the classics, um, and she ended up then moving to London, and um, in 1986. So she's 21 at this point, um, and she gets a job as a researcher and a bilingual secretary at the research desk for Francophone Africa uh, at Amnesty International. Um, and she talks about this period of her life a lot, because um, one of the biggest themes that we see in the Harry Potter books is, like, this, you know, it's this battle between good and evil and mm-hmm. light and dark and that antithesis. And it, so, you know, this was something, you know, even though this was just her job she was having and, you know, she was still every lunch break going out and writing and, you know, she still oh, had this, like, kind of dream underneath everything to be a writer, but... You know, every day she's like, I saw more evidence about the evils humankind will inflict on their fellow humans to gain or maintain power. And yet, I also learned more about human goodness than I had ever known before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But she talks about this more in detail. Like, she would get, she'd be the one, like, getting handwritten letters from people in these, like, completely, like, totalitarian government countries in Africa, like, you know writing about their experience and, like, asking for help. And one time she had somebody who had been, like, someone her own age who came in to be interviewed who had been, like, severely tortured oh and was, like, God. really clearly affected by it. And she was the one who, like, took him, picked him up and brought him back to the train station. And, like, so she was, like, really seeing every day just, like... Oh, my gosh. 
horrible, horrible things. And she does so much great yeah. charity work now. Oh, yeah. Well, that I mean, that's totally reflected. And now she's like, she she's would be one of the richest people in the world still, but she donates so much of her right. money to charity. She, um, I recently saw, there's a great Twitter account. Um, it's really sad. It's this girl that's in Aleppo. Mm. And her, she's like seven years old and her mom is uh, tweeting like, through like she's tweeting through her mom basically she'll tell her mom things uh and she had a video the other day where she's reading harry potter mm, like and there's right. like bomb sounds in the it's like i think i'm pretty sure she's like been sending harry potter books God. to refugees i think i read that that's so amazing yeah so so I, anyway you know, she, i think this is kind of like the root of her yeah kind of understanding and fascination with you know just this constant struggle of good versus evil in the world. Um, but yeah, so she was doing that. Um, and then, um, when she was 25, so in like 1990, uh, she and her boyfriend at the time, um, were going to move up to Manchester. Um, so she had been up there for the weekend to look at some apartments and she was on the train coming back, and it was a really crowded train, and it gets delayed. And uh, this is, you know, the famous delayed train trip where the mm-hmm. idea for a little boy who finds out that he's a wizard pops into her head. And so it's like the, the idea that has excited her more than anything ever that's ever come into her head before Um she's so pumped but she doesn't have a pen or paper or anything and she's too shy to ask oh my anybody gosh. for a pen so she just like is like well i would just just keep it in socks. my brain yeah and you know she's like looking back she's like yeah i mean i think it's kind of a good thing that i didn't because you know i think the time that it, that i would have slowed down to be like transferring my ideas to paper i might have like lost my train of thought or started to edit myself oh my gosh yeah. So she was just kind of, like, stuck on this train for four hours. This train was delayed. And she just kind of, like, came up with a whole general premise. Um, wow. Yeah. I feel like I defeat my own ideas a lot, too. So what if she yeah. had thought, like, oh, that's stupid. Right, as she's, like, writing or editing. She's, so she just has, like, four hours. She's just, like, thinking of this, like, skinny little kid who doesn't even know that he's, like, the world's most famous wizard. Do you think that she maybe felt that way herself? Do you think that maybe she felt like she had inner power that, like, no one appreciated yet? Or she didn't oh, know? Yeah. Like, I, subconsciously? I think definitely. I think, you know, especially in this idea of, like, just feeling like an outsider, I think that comes up a lot like, from her childhood because mm-hmm. they had moved at a young age. And, yeah. I don't know. I think this is always something. And, you know, she always, she keeps referring to how she always, like, knew she wanted to be something more. She knew she always wanted to move to London. She wanted to, like, get away from their small town. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I think you could definitely draw parallels there. But, yeah, so she's 25 when this happens. Um, so, yeah, and then December of that year, she starts to write the books. Um, but at that time, her mom dies. Oh, God. And she's only 45. It's, like, really, really, it's just devastating. So she's, oh like... Oh, my God. Yeah. She's completely, completely devastated. And then she and her boyfriend break up. Um, oh. Yeah. So Double whammy. In 91, she, um, it, so it was about nine months after her mom dies, 
um, she decides she needs a complete change of pace, so she decides to move to Portugal and get a job as an English teacher. Um, <laughs> I mean, and yeah. I know, like, I'm sure we've all had those times in our lives when we're just, like, so completely devastated by something that you, like, just do something yeah, totally, totally crazy. and Oh, and, totally. Yeah. You just, like, have to get away from it all or that was LA for all me. your hair. Yeah. That was L.A. It was for me, too, a little bit, honestly. I was really, like, I was not in a good place at the end of my senior year. It's sometimes it's just nice to, like, literally leave. Yeah. Like, Lisbon nice, no one, yeah. <laughs> Going to Portugal. <laughs> that was a joke. It was great. <laughs> I worked really hard for I that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. I do, you know, I feel the same way about LA. I was, like, I was, because I had just, I really felt like I thrived in college and kind of figured out who I was and had a really strong group of friends for the first time. Like, I was kind of dorky and shy in high school. I never had that. And so when it was all ending and I hadn't, you know, I was like, I don't think I want to, I just wasn't jazzed about New York. And I was like, yeah. am I really going to stay in Philly? And so I found out about the program and I was like, I'm just going to go. Yeah. But I had a, I had pretty good experience. JK, unfortunately did not have the best uh, experience in Portugal. Oh. She ends up looking back, describing it as the darkest time in her life. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so, she, so starts, she already has yeah. Harry Potter in her head. So, so she, she's like, basically her idea is like, okay, I'll get a change of scenery. I will get this job, um, you know, where I, the hours when I'm not teaching, it allow me to write. So it's like, she thought the change in the work hours would help her focus on her writing because she's teaching in the afternoons and the evenings. And then she figured like during the day she could do all her writing. Um, and then she would leave Portugal when she finished the book. Um... Oh, an interesting little thing she t- says is that she wrote the Mirror of Ezra chapter in her first few weeks of living there. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And this is, like, her favorite chapter. And, it, you know, it, all of this is kind of stemmed from this just, like, insane grief she's feeling for the loss of her mother. Oh. Oh. And that's why this, this, you know, this, re- this theme of, you know, the death of a parent and death of parents in Harry's case. And, you know, just the, the way that his feelings about that just become so much deeper and more realistic mm. is because she was going through the death of her mother and at this time and it, it just kind of reflected what into a, that book sometimes the tough stuff is the stuff that like makes you you oh, know yeah totally totally and, and so she goes on to more about that so anyway she's there and then um she meets this guy he's a journalist in porto jorge arantes oh thanks so yeah okay so yeah she's 26 when she moves to Portugal. A year later, in 27, she marries this Portuguese journalist. And uh, a year later, after that, July 93, her daughter Jessica is born. She's Lucky daughter. <laughs> yeah. So that was a good thing. But uh, shortly after Jessica is born, her marriage totally implodes. It's like a really, really bad breakup. Oh my gosh. So she leaves... Portugal just with like nothing except for the best thing in her life in her words Jessica but otherwise she's like totally totally devastated so in like Christmas of 93 she um moves to Edinburgh to be with her sister who's like a nurse there and um and she kind of focuses on finishing the book um but Basically, this this is this time is kind of where she uh, she describes it as her rock bottom. You know, she signs oh my up. Gosh. She signs up for 
uh, welfare and um, you know she moves to Edinburgh Christmas she's been living in Portugal for three years like she doesn't have a winter coat even Uh, you know they have like a really crappy apartment but you know she describes this period as she has such a great quote about it Uh, it's her rock bottom but rock bottom is a pretty sturdy foundation for rebuilding your life yeah because she says it's like it's stripped away everything inessential she stops pretending she says i stopped pretending to myself that i was anything other than i was and began diverting all my energy into finishing the only work that mattered to me oh my gosh yeah and no excuses either because right. you've got well gg oh there's our cat we have a cat well our roommate has a cat but yeah but she's well, like she's, she's really the apartment cute. mascot she's the best <laughs> um no like i think that wait what <laughs> wait, basically like- yeah so the you know it's like she she describes it she's like i completely oh, failed yeah. and she oh says you know she says she did an amazing commencement speech for harvard in 2008 and mm-hmm. she talks all about the speech is all about um it's called the fringe benefits of failure and uh what is it and like and the crucial importance of imagination but yeah she talks all about this she's like you know it was the worst time of my life but it was also the most important time of my life because think yeah. about it, like, when you've totally hit rock bottom, like, that's it. Like, there's nothing else. You could, you just stop trying, you know, she was trying to make this relationship work. She was trying to, to live somewhere new and exotic She's and poor. teach. And it's like, no, like, just stop thinking about all these other things. Just focus on the book. And can I say something, like, really, I think that this is where social media fucks us all up right mm. now. Because what if she had a fucking iPhone? Yeah. That she was looking at everybody's Instagram. Oh my god. Well, because she, she was like, well, oh. then she says, she describes herself. She was like, at this time, she was like, I. I suck. She was like, I'm the biggest failure I know. Oh my god. And like, that... and she, and it was always, she was like, failure was always my biggest fear. So it was kind of empowering in a way, though, because she's like, well, yeah. My biggest fear happened, and I'm still alive. Yeah. So I have to keep going. Right. And like, to have the discipline admits, like, of course she had to work. Of yeah. course she had a fucking, like, screaming crying baby that she had to attend to right and like she had the grit to just write when she could that is so inspirational to, yeah like, and thank god she didn't have like a girl from high school who is suddenly like a fitness model selling protein shakes because that would have just made me feel like worse about myself yeah but she says like she was like it, it was my daughter like she was the one who encouraged her to like go see a therapist mm-hmm. which is another thing like mm-hmm. a lot of people just never don't want to confront that there's something else going on you know Preach. mentally and just so she was like having a daughter was like the thing she needed she's like okay i have to confront this like i have to acknowledge this and, you know so she she goes to a therapist and she starts pressing on with the book and you know she realized that she, you know she found out which of her friends were really good friends because some of them were there for her and helped her out and gave her a deposit so she couldn't have an apartment at all. Oh my gosh. She basically, she was like, I was as close to, I was as poor as you can be in modern Britain without being homeless. So she's like very poor and like without a mom. Yeah. Her mom died, you know, her relationship with her dad is strained. She has her sister. Luckily she Um. has some close friends from school. Um, but yeah, She's like, you know, it was hard being a single mom, but having the the baby was the thing that 
force her to finish the book. God, moms are amazing. Yeah, they are. And she's she believed like, that would be like their salvation, probably. Well, you no, know, she's like, I, she's like, I didn't think it would save us, but I, she was like, it might, it's going to be my last chance to finish it. God. Like while she was so young, you know, because as she gets older, yeah. You know, I mean, kids are always take up a lot of time, but. And how old is she right now? She's twenty, like. Oh, she's she's actually probably our age. She was born in July '93. Her oh, oh, her daughter. No, I oh, mean, you mean her? Was... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh. This time she's like, um, she's like twenty-eight at this time. Damn. Mm-hmm. God. So that makes me feel better. Yeah. I haven't hit rock bottom. Yet. Yeah, I don't know. Got to do I that first. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah. So then. Uh. So she finishes the book. Uh, so now by like 95, 96, so she's like 30 now, but important I think it's still wine. like important. Oh yeah. We're drinking wine by the way. Yeah. It's 9am. Just kidding. It's <laughs> But it is a Friday. Here's how to fix our lives. It's my day off. Yeah. We have weird days off because. I'm at, I work at Trader not, Joe's. We're not 9 to 5 Um, yeah. yeah. I work at a restaurant. And my, it's my buckle job. So yeah. thank you, J.K. Rowling, for giving me that term, which I use in my daily life. Oh. Yeah. God. She's everywhere. She's the best. Uh, so, yeah, just real quick, just because, you know, I mean, we all, the rest is kind of history, but it's just still interesting. You know, she was, so now she's 30, 31. She's writing letters to agents, sending in the first three chapters of the book. They're always almost immediately sent back. And then finally... Uh, this kind of obscure London literary agent, uh, Christopher Little, takes her on, and they make a deal with Bloomsbury Publisher, and they tell her that, you know, if you want any little boys to actually read your book, you should not go by Joe or Joanne, and that's why she ended up picking JK. Yeah, because little boys give a shit. Yeah, they were like, oh, they won't want to read a a book written by a woman. Maybe they would have, though. I feel like people back then were shitty. I mean, there's people are so know. shitty. It's just, it's always just fun to be like, oh, isn't did she? Isn't does she like that though? I mean, I would, I would assume it would give her like a little bit of privacy now if she just like, I mean, probably she probably still has no privacy. I wonder if people call her JK. <laughs> like, if they walk up, they're like JK. No, they call her Joe. They call her Joe. Yeah, she goes by Joe. Right, I know, but like, you know, when people walk up to someone, oh, right. like, like, I wonder if people, her, like, like people come up and they're like, Lady Gaga, and they're yeah. like Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm not sure. I wonder. I would call her Joe. Yeah, because we're real fans. Well, I know her, so yeah, you know her so well. I'm dating her daughter. Just kidding. but Kathleen was her grandma's name, so she oh. took that. It was Joanne oh. Kathleen, so she was J.K. Rowling. And uh, yeah, and uh, so they. Oh, and so oh, this is fun. The publisher told her to to get a day job because she probably wasn't going to make much money off of a children's book. Ugh bitch and then they're also like also you should go by jk because you know you're a woman and that won't fly mm-hmm. ha 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 well Joke's she's like you. she's like no i want to i want to keep working on my second book so she gets this grant from the scottish arts council for eight thousand pounds which allows her to support herself and jessica while working on this book called the chamber of secrets uh yeah keeping up with that demand before it was even there God, she's so smart. And also, like, thank God for, like, arts councils and these organizations that have the kind of money to write grants for people who actually make amazing things. Like, that's a great use of public money. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's just kind of an amazing story. I mean, obviously we all know after that she just totally blew up and the rest is history, but... Well, do you want to talk a little bit about like what we think is kind of... I mean, I think particularly... I mean, we already talked about her discipline. I think um, it seems... People always want to are like hesitant to admit that they think there's something there, you know, that they've got something in there that is going to succeed. Yeah. I mean, that's at least for me. I think for me, I feel narcissistic when I when I'm confident that way. Yeah. And it sounds like she has some quiet confidence, you know. Like yeah, I mean, she's perseverance for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. I think there's just something in people that you just kind of know, or and, you know, and maybe it's not always that. It's just that. I mean, at least for her, it seems like she never knew she would have this fairy tale ending, but she loved to write and she mm-hmm. wanted to keep going. And she had this idea that just excited her so much that she couldn't and refused to let it go. Yeah. And I don't want to say that it took her getting to rock bottom to get there, but maybe it did. I don't know. I mean, yeah. she you know, she always knew she wanted to finish the book, but she kind of sorts, you know, she she says hitting rock bottom was the thing that led her to get there but god anyway she in her uh you know she says a lot in her this harvard speech which is all about you know failure and she's saying you know if i could go back and talk to my 21 year old self you know i'd say like just know that personal happiness lies in knowing life is not a checklist of acquisitions or achievements your qualifications are not your life though you will meet many people who confuse the two. Life is a difficult, complicated journey, and the humility to know that will enable you to survive. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so true. I think that's something I think about is, like, life is not a race, you know? Yeah, Yeah, and, and, you know, she wasn't, you know, she was pretty much an average student, and she, in her own words, failed astronomically. Yeah. But she didn't let it keep her down. And God. now she's the mother of the wizarding world. Bless. <laughs> she is. She's she's the mother of wizards. <laughs> mother of wizards. <laughs> Not dragons. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And she's such a Twitter queen. Oh, yeah. But that's, like, a new thing. Yeah. Because she used to, like, not tweet at all. No. Because she's pretty private. But she's getting better. I feel like she's, she's adjusting to the modern She's though. so, like, um... I don't know. She's funny. She's just really good. She understands her audience a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. Feeling so inspired. Oh, my God. I love her. Well, J.K., if you want to write in and tell us if we missed anything, yeah. <laughs> um, let us know. That's okay. No, I want to be corrected. Please. I'm yeah. not pretending at all to be an expert on this. No, and she's so... I don't know. There's just so many pieces of her story that you can yeah. take out. And I know no, that please, I've watched her please. Oprah stuff like a million times. Yeah. Please, like, call and correct us, like, or call. I don't know. Don't call us. Yeah, Email don't, us. No, we're not going to be <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Drum roll for our <laughs> second inspirational person. Okay. Uh, so it's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and you already know that from the title of the episode. But um, <laughs> it's Quentin Tarantino. He's, oh, my God. I'm such a fan. I am such a fan. I was Bill from Hill Bill when I was, like, 11 years old. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are there pictures? Uh, no, I, there are probably pictures, but they're, like, film pictures. But, okay. um, God, no, I just, I've been such a fan my whole life. 
Okay. Um, so Quentin Jerome, Jerome, Jerome Tarantino was born uh, on March 27th, 1963 in ex- Knoxville, Tennessee. Wait, I'm excited about this because I don't really know that much about Quentin Tarantino. Okay, just before we like dive in, can I just say the man is so fucking self-assured and confident. He really, really believes in himself and he's oh, wow. so like, have you ever watched an interview with him? He's just like, bam, like. He knows his vision. He's yeah. very good at communicating it. And I think that's one of the things that's wow. so fun learning about him. Yeah. He also may not have had, like, horrible things happen to him, like J.K. Rowling. Like, right. I don't know no, if No, but he... I just think... I mean, she's always, like, described herself as having been shy. So I think it's just cool. They're very, different. very, very, very different, different people. Very different. Yeah. He... Um, so he was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Didn't know he was Southern. Uh, to Tony Tarantino, an actor. Mm. Uh, I guess he was in a... Uh, I think he was an accountant at the time, and then he was also trying to be an actor. No, law student. He was 21, and his mom was a 16-year-old nurse, Connie McHugh. Oh. So uh, they, I don't think, were, they, they didn't stay together. His parents didn't stay together, mm. um, and he was actually raised by his stepfather and his mother. So his stepfather was Kurt Zastupil. Zastupil? Zastupil. Um, Dastapil, you want. Dastapil, you want. Dastapil, Dastapil. Yeah, Kurt. And he was, so he went by Quentin Zastapil, Zastapil for most of his childhood. Um, And his mom. Can I just say really quick? I'm glad he went back to Tarantino. I, well, that'll come up. Oh, That will come up. His mom says, uh, (laughs) his name was meant to be famous. I wanted a name that would fill up the entire screen. Quentin Tarantino. She was only 17, and she named him uh, after a character that Burt Reynolds played in the show Gunsmoke. And his that character was named Quint Asper. Quint- wow, wait, okay, so his mom, like, always knew she wanted him. His be- mom sounds like a fucking badass. Yeah. I guess you got badass begets badass, but she, yeah. yeah, she, actually, I think that Lena Dunham's mom said the same thing about her. She said that her, like, she gave her daughter, like, a graceful, like, old Hollywood name. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm already planning my future children's names to, To like, be, like, cinematic. Yeah. Like, Taco Johansson. Yeah, Taco Johansson. <laughs> That's a graceful name. That is, uh, copyrighted, so if you yeah. cannot take that, everyone. No. <laughs> Burrito Johansson. Burrito Canito. Assuming you keep your last name or you adopt beautiful children hmm. I don't know why you'd have to adopt them for them to, um, as someone who's very single I guess <laughs> I shouldn't be like pre-planning this maybe <laughs> well yeah <laughs> sorry anyway let's not go down Katie's Jeez. stage because that's a whole other oh my god yeah it's the other podcast yeah. it's called 20 minutes in heaven 20 <laughs> a tinder love story Okay, so, uh, yeah, she says that she expected her kid to be important. His mom did. So mm. she's like, why would I have an unimportant baby? Wow. <laughs> I love that. I, so yeah. that's, like, pretty different, too, already off the bat in terms of, you know, with J.K. Rowling's parents. Like right. They really were concerned about her just getting by yeah. financially. And, and here yeah. his mom is like, knew he was born to be great. Yeah, and that's, just like, coming from, like, a teen mom in the South. Yeah. Like, damn no that's really cool that's really cool um so he studied at uh you know he was you know going through school and took up drama classes okay so he was a theater kid and he studied at narbonne high school and dropped out at the age of 15 although Mm. some of the things i read said 16 
And so this is a quote from him. I hated school. School completely bored me. I wanted to be an actor. Anything that I'm not good at, mm. I don't like, and I couldn't focus on school. <laughs> Wait, oh no, that was like my exact experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, who would like something they're bad at? I never got math, spelling, I never got spelling, I was good at reading, and okay. I was good in history. History was like a movie. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things that people seem to learn really easily, it took me years to learn. I didn't learn how to ride a bike until the fifth grade. I didn't know how to swim until I was in junior high school. That's not that weird. A lot of people don't know how to swim until, like, a little later. Yeah. Maybe. Everybody's different. Unless you had, like, swimming lessons at the YMCA. Ugh, I did. I did, too. Yeah, I those were the worst. It. Ugh. Uh, I didn't... That one... You had them last week. <laughs> yeah. God. Finally um, learned. 24. 24. Getting it down. Doggy paddle. I didn't learn how to tell time until the sixth grade, so he didn't learn until he was... What? To, okay. To look I'm, at the gonna, clock. I'm sorry. That one is a little weird. That is pretty weird. <laughs> I don't know, but he was just so focused on history and reading, I guess. Yeah, but, like, you know, you think, like, knowing what time it is is a little integral part of history. Yeah. Also, he's, like, I mean, to finance and make movies, like, you need to have math and basic organizational skills. Like, Right. Well, I mean... I guess he picked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he learned things just later. Jeez, my phone is blowing up from Palo today. Alto, California. Yeah, a lot of, like... Random people have been calling you. No, but they're always like, your credit card company, nothing's wrong, but... It's like, I don't have a fucking credit... I do have a credit card, but... Yeah, no, we have credit cards. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> they're not... Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's, nothing's imminently wrong. wrong. Knock on one, knock on one. <laughs> We're fine! <laughs> um, I didn't learn until the time until the sixth grade. I could do the 30s and the clock and the o'clocks, but it couldn't get more intricate than that. I was perplexed. To this day, I can't tell time that well. And when everyone's telling you you're dumb and you can't do what everyone can do when you're seven, you start to wonder. Oh, Damn. That, I mean, that is just a thing. I think that has a lot to do with just, like, the education system. You know, just think everybody has to fit into this cookie-cutter mold of learning. And if yeah. you don't, then something's wrong with you. And I just don't think that's true. I think, totally. like, people just have different styles of learning. But because our education system is so underfunded and flawed that, like, you know, we just, like, cater to the majority, and then everybody else is made to feel like something's wrong with them. Completely. I think... Because I, I felt that way a lot growing up, and that's why I actually... I loved... I mean, I had such an incredible time as a kid doing the Montessori school program. Because they let you put rocks in cups. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, I really did not explain well, but it was, like, an incredible... No. Yeah. Incredible. And, like... Because it just, it just caters to the individual. Yeah. And public school systems don't. No. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Some schools are different. Sorry, I went on a. I love my public school. No, I don't know. No, I think you're right. I went. Well, here, it's, here's, it's the, hard thing. To here's di- the thing. I went to one of the, the top rated public schools in the country. I'm just going to turn the heat down a little bit. And, oh yeah, we have the space heater on because. It is fucking cold. We have a tiny. Katie's in her bathrobe. I'm wearing a fully bathrobe. Fully dressed, but I she's in a bathrobe. I promise I have. I got dressed today. We can post a picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, drinking <laughs> wine in a bathroom. Yeah. Um,. Anyway. We're just doing it, guys. We're just trying to make it happen. We're living we're our like, lives. We're like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> this is what she did. She sat and drank wine and wrote. Just kidding. Um, anyway. So, Sorry, okay. So, he's you. dropped out of high school. Just Ooh. And his mom was like, um, I'll let you do it, but you have to work. <laughs> so, fucking cool mom again. Mm-hmm. Not like that was very different from her own experience, because, like, she had a baby when she was that right. age. Right. So I guess she probably dropped out of school, too. Yeah. But she was also really cool, because she would take him to, like, the movies when he was really little. And so from an early age, he was yeah. seeing all kinds of movies. He she saw... was an actor herself, so she really wanted him to, like, be in that world. No, she was a nurse. 
Oh. Her, his dad was an actor. Oh. And, okay. And he's like a strange, like, like his dad's not like okay. the main daddy. <laughs> okay. Um, she was drawn to that. She was, I guess, probably because she wanted her son to have like a fancy name. Yeah. And he saw Deliverance when he was six years old. Whoa. Have you ever seen Deliverance? Do you know that movie? It's like people running around in the woods and rednecks like rape people. <gasps> like it's like oh. very scary. Yeah. Did you ever watch I Love the Seventies on VH1? Or I yes. love the eighties. It was I. I remember seeing them just like comedians talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. this movie and being horrified. Mm. Like that was scary enough. I never well, saw the movie. I mean that. I mean, if he's exposed to that at, at an old. early age, that explains a lot of his yeah. style. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he quit school and then starts uh, working in a community or acting in a community theater. Hmm. And it's around this time that he starts going by Quentin Tarantino, mm. which. Just, it's such a beautiful Sorry, that's name. the pill. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, Zootapoodle. Um, lied about his age to get a job as an usher at the Pussycat Theater Ooh. in Torrance, California. And the Pussycat Theater is exactly what it sounds okay, like. Okay, good. Um, and he, he quotes about, he's quoted about that, I hated porno movies. Oh. To me, it was the most ironic situation. I finally got a job at a movie theater, and it's a place where I don't want to watch movies. Interesting. Which is weird, because what... 16 year old boy does not love porn but he does love porn now i listened to a podcast <laughs> and he he was talking about it so yeah he didn't say like i love porn but he like right. passingly mentioned that he i mean he diddles, I mean, he diddles. I would, I, I, can we just say it's a safe assumption that most people at least a like bit. porn yeah like you're not gonna like you know it doesn't mean you're like all porn like everybody's got i don't know own. that i'd want to work at a porn theater i oh, hope yeah. porn theaters don't still exist uh, I'm. That's probably a really sure niche thing. Do. Well, yeah, but you're There's right. There's probably like two in Idaho. It's like go to a porn theater or stay at home and watch it on your laptop. Yeah, I wouldn't I pay like four dollars to like. To... Ew! Oh god! Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. So he left the theater company after two years. Um, I don't really know why. I guess he just. Um, so then he starts working at the video archives when he's 22 years old. And so this is like the famous thing. This is kind of like the JK Rowling sitting in a coffee okay. shop writing. Yeah. This is, so he works at this, um, it's like a video store. It's like a blockbuster, but it's like an independent one owned by these like art house, uh, married couple that love movies and they, they've got all of the great movies. And, um, I don't know. Did, I, I had a place like that. I had like a bookstore like that growing up that was like so it was the cool place to work but you could only get a job if you like knew literature and so all the people that worked there were like liberal arts students that were like on summer break and like it was a really hard interview so i nobody ever really like from my high school got to work there but everybody wanted to work there and so that's kind of the thing quentin tarantino says about this video store the video archives uh he says people think i learned about movies because i worked there but i worked there because I knew about movies. Dun, dun, dun. Such a badass. Yeah. God. Um, so I guess he already had, like, watched enough movies. He's just, yeah. like, he loves film. Like, yeah. he, and he knows everything. He knows every movie. Yeah. He, he categorizes them in his brain. Like, he was talking about, like, Dead Poet Society and, like, some other movie. Like, he knows, like, um, based on, basically he'll, like, create subgenres for all the movies that he watches. Yeah. Um, okay, so he's, he's working there. He's a cinephile. There. He's a cinephile, yes. He's working there, and, uh, 
he becomes friends with this guy Roger Avery, another uh, aspiring director, um, and they would they were like kind of competitors. Like they mm. both loved movies, and he was like, I eventually Robert, Roger Avery was like, I kind of gave up because I knew Quentin knew everything, right? Um, and so at the time, Quentin's writing his uh, first movie. It's a screwball comedy. This is the eighties, by the way, and he's like twenty two, twenty three. Okay, he's writing a screwball comedy called My Best Friend's Birthday. And he worked on it for four years, and it just didn't really gel. Um, and then he was also acting in, like, film and TV. And fun fact, he uh, appears as an Elvis impersonator on an episode of The Golden Girls. <laughs> Have you ever seen a picture? He looks like Elvis. Yeah, he totally looks like Elvis. Um, and so he's kind of, like, doing these bit things, and then uh, he is writing... Uh, or no, he's not writing. He's He just has a title in his mind. Like, this is why he's so fucking cool. He's so confident. Mm-hmm. He goes to a party and he says to someone, uh, I'm going to make this movie, Reservoir Dogs. He had the title and he had not written it yet. Really? He didn't even know what it, he like. He's just like... He just liked the title? Well, so he said, um, like, his mom tells the story that the way that he thought of the title was he... Um, he went to see a movie with a girl that was, like, in French, and it was called... God, what was it called? It was, like, Reservoir Le Fond, or something like that. And he was like, I don't want to see that movie. I don't want to see no fucking Reservoir Dogs. And so he had the title, and then, apparently, when you watch the movie, it's, like, not connected at all. Nobody... I mean, it's just, like, a gang. It's a gang movie. And they're, like, the dogs, but, like, it doesn't connect. Yeah. Um... He just liked the name. And then yeah. made a movie. And so he's writing scripts for <laughs> movies. So he's like just he's twenty five at this point and he's written his second script for a movie. So he wrote My Best Friend's Birthday, which just didn't really get going. So he writes Natural Born Killers, which mm-hmm. have you heard of that movie? That was like I, people talked about it because it was, like, watched by the Columbine shooters. It was, like, one of those violent things. I hate to bring that up because that's such a common conversation about Quentin Tarantino is the violence. Right. Um, and, like, how it supposedly, like, starts mass shootings and stuff. But I don't know. I don't I don't have clear feelings about it. I know he hates that conversation. He hates when people bring it up. But um, he uh, sold the script for True Romance, which was based on My Best Friend's Birthday, for $50,000. And so both of those movies went on to be directed by Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. So he makes those movies, and so Quentin Tarantino now has this $50,000, and he's like, oh, I'm going to use the money to make Reservoir Dogs. Um, and he shoots, like, an initial version in 16mm black and white with his friends in the leading roles, uh, and he kind of goes through several iterations, and he knew Steve Buscemi, so they did, a, they did um, like, a short, they did a couple scenes that they filmed together. Um, so Quentin Tarantino is actually in the movie. He's an he, he's a character, right. yeah. and um, he and Steve Buscemi. Have you you've seen it? Yeah. Okay. Sorry that I'm like. Well, then you can fill in where I'm wrong. But uh, then he starts taking it to Sundance, which is like Sundance is not then what it is now. Like it's mm. just kind of like a indie film festival that's like becoming big. Yeah. And he takes it to Sundance, and um, he also knows this guy. Uh, God, what's his name? Bender. Uh, Lawrence Bender um, was his friend that was attending acting classes um, and somehow knew Harvey Keitel. And they show Harvey Keitel the script for Reservoir Dogs, and he's so impressed that they uh, take it around Hollywood and finance the film. And um, Lawrence Bender is like, okay, so we're gonna, like, you know, we're gonna get this financed in maybe a year. And they find Quentin Tarantino was like, no, fuck that. I give you two months, and then we're gonna shoot. Oh, and shit. they got it done. Like they did it. 
I just think he's so, like, he's just so headstrong. He just seems to know, yeah, he just seems to know exactly what he wants, and he's like, make it happen right now. Right. He said, um, gosh, where is this? He says that he just always knew that he had, like, a natural ability for, um, like, making, he's like, I knew I was going to be big, I just didn't know how. Yeah. I didn't know when. And he, and he just also, it just seems like he had this confidence, too. And he also worked. Pour in more wine. Pour in more wine. Pour it up, pour it up. Wine break. I want it all bow down. Oh, wait, that's, is it pour it up? I think it's... Something. Stir it up? No. Stir it up. Bob Marley. Pop it up. Stir it, it up. It's Rihanna. Spread it up. Anyway, um, so he, he gets Reservoir Dogs financed, they film it, they take it to Sundance, and everybody fucking loves it. It is a hit. Yeah. And suddenly... So, apparently... The way that, like, film critics at the time describe it is it's, like, Die Hard was a big deal then. Mm. But Die Hard's, like, a dorky, like, mm. action movie. Like, it's not The Terminator. It's not Die Hard. It's Reservoir Dogs. And they said this is the first time an action movie was, like, intellectual. Like, it was mm. something people wanted to watch at a right. coffee house. And, um... Or talk about it at a coffee house. And, uh... Yeah, like what people watching an action movie in a coffee house. That sounds a little ridiculous <laughs> in like 1990, uh, 1991 or something. Um, they then, uh, yes, yeah, so he's achieved success now. But here's the thing he was like 31 by the time Reservoir Dogs comes out. And once it's like theatrically released, he is writing pulp fiction in hotel rooms in Europe. He just like. People wanted him to do all these different projects, and he just said no. Like, they wanted him to write, like, Men in Black. Like, they wanted him to do all these things. Oh, yeah. And he said no, and just, like, wrote Pulp Fiction. And so he calls around this time, like, Uma Thurman is his muse. And so anyway, like, this is, you know, the rest is kind of history. Pulp Fiction comes out. It's a huge hit. It premieres at um, Cannes. And so since then, every Quentin Tarantino movie's kind of been a big pull at Cannes. His movies come out at Cannes. And um, it was, like, incredibly hyped, critical acclaim, and went on to be one of the most highly uh, praised movies of 1994. It's nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Actress, Best Editing, and, of course, it wins for Best Original Screenplay. Um, And so this is a person who I think really did not... uh, It doesn't seem like he put a lot of time restrictions on himself Mm -hmm. it seems to me like he was so consistent in his work and in his drive but like he was where he wanted to be like he was happy working at video archives he was happy surrounding himself with other people that loved film and just writing movies right and he also says like you know i'm you know he's famous now for having this uh declaration that after 10 movies he's going to be done and he's not gonna make any more And um, in this interview with Dan Rather, he's, like, saying, you know, maybe I'm not going to make more movies, but I am a person who tells stories, and I love telling stories. That's just my craft, and I'm going to write, or I'm going to make a, you know, write a play, or I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll just become a man who writes. Um, But he's so larger than life, and after, like, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction came out, he was, like, acting in things. He was Mm -hmm. in um, From Dusk Till Dawn, which he co-made with Robert Rodriguez. Um, and it's been, it, that's a very smart strategy, I think, to brand yourself that way. And like, he's got, he's like M. Night Shyamalan, like that name. Yeah. That name is like, well, you know, right. Yeah. You know who he is. You know what he's all about. You know what his movies are like. Yeah. He, he's created 
God, and I love Kill Bill so much. I'm oh, sorry. It's so good. It's my favorite. It's like... Oh, I want to watch... I haven't watched it in a while. Do you want to watch it after this? Watch it. <laughs> yeah. Let's watch that, and then let's watch <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So... Okay, guys. So, I mean, thank you so much for listening. Um, we are really excited to continue this podcast. We have a lot of really great people that we're going to continue to do episodes about. But yeah, if you guys have any suggestions about people you want us to talk about in future episodes, any corrections, or you just want to say hey, uh, feel free to email us at 2020podcast at gmail.com. Uh, 2020 is spelled out, so T-W-E-N-T-Y, uh, not like the 2020 news show on ABC. uh yeah no 2020 two 20 year olds talking about people in their 20s hindsight 2020 21 guns 21 jump Bay. street 20 little trolls snow white and the 720 drinks yeah <laughs> coming to theater 420 there you <laughs> bye guys, bye guys. <laughs>